Arizona, Arizona Sports, the local the sports local leader. Sports leader. Burns and Gambo, the four o'clock reset. Four o'clock reset. All right, Mitch, you've got it. Four o'clock reset. Hit the button and tell us what's going yeah, on. Yeah, fix the button. Did so you fix the button? Go. Okay, good. Kudos to him. I would have done the same thing if I could have. <laughs> That's Jonathan Gannon agreeing with Marvin Harrison Jr.'s decision not to speak with the media in a joking, half-hearted, light-hearted fashion. He with loves coming on with us. Oh yeah, he's such a he great conversationalist with y'all. Uh, but that was him with Wolf and Luke today. And the good news is, is the Cardinals did already get their opportunity to speak with Marvin Harrison Jr. Gannon said went great. It was good. Yeah, he was on it. All the questions that were asked by everybody in there and had really good answers. He's very thought out, very mature. It was a really good interview. So as long as they don't listen to Mike Florio, everything's going to be uh, peaches no, and cream. Nobody listens to Mike Florio. Are you going to play the Florio soundbite just to... Nobody I don't listens. have it ready. I can certainly do that if you want. Nobody listens to Mike Florio. Oh, Bernsey's vigorously looking for Mike Florio's... Don't you like have holding your vendetta over a team for like that long? I see that the Cardinals are the betting favorites to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. Well, sorry, Cardinals fans. If I was Marvin Harrison Jr., I would say I ain't going to play Why? the Arizona Cardinals. Why? Well, because the F-. minus. I mean, I'm influenced by all the stuff that's come out over the last year. I don't want to go play for the Cardinals. I want to play for somebody else. Didn't the Chiefs get an F-, minus too? Sorry, Mike Florio. You're not Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, sorry, yes, response. <laughs> Mitch, I'm not trying to step on your sorry, four o'clock reset fans. toes. I if just... I was Marvin Harrison Jr., you're not. I want to play you're not. That. Yeah, there are other teams that got F- minuses. It, it, it's right. Would you play for the Chiefs? Like yeah. you said. Yeah, exactly. And an F minus, for goodness sakes. I will say this about. Yeah, he's got a vendetta. Marvin Harrison Jr., though. I, I mean, I don't get that bent that he's not talking to the media, even though I've worked in the media my whole life. I'm not that worried about that. If I were a Cardinals fan, I would have liked to have heard At what he heard had what to other say teams asked him, yeah. about the Cardinals. Because there are there's a Cardinals presence of media there, and they surely would have asked him, hey, Odds are you're going to go to the Cardinals. What do you think about that? I would have loved to have heard what he had to say about that, but we were deprived of that. I did Google Mike Florio's height during the break. I think Mitch is taller. Mitch and him are exactly the same height, so my money's on Mitch. Mitch could take him. Mitch is, he's not tall, but he's got kind of that stocky sort of, you know, like rugby kind like of build bulldog. to him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right, good. You got <laughs> him, Mitch. Glad we settled that. Hey, Mitch. look, at least I'm participating in the aspects of the combine this week, it sounds like, with <laughs> descriptions of my build. Uh-huh. Uh, talking about NFL veterans now. There's a couple that got cut today. Maybe some that the Cardinals could take a look at. Marcus May and J.C. Jackson, a couple of defensive backs that were released by the Saints and Patriots. And then I saw this just recently, too. Uh, Former Cardinals quarterback Logan Thomas, (laughs) tongue-in-cheek, is getting cut by Washington as well. Give him credit, man. That guy guy was a failure as a quarterback, and he turned his career around. It's a great tight end for them. It's a great story because, like, him and his wife are, like, living in a hotel. I remember that. Like, I remember the story about him. Like, they were living out of a hotel. They didn't know if they were going to make the team or not. Guys ended up having a nice career, made a lot of money in the NFL. I give him a lot of credit. Big fan of when people kind of have to, like, reinvent themselves like that. He very successfully reinvented himself as a tight end. He'll find, he'll land somewhere. I don't know if it's here. I'm sure somebody Uh, will want him. Somebody will want him, I would think. Yeah. You guys like Marcus May or J.C. Jackson? Yeah, Marcus May's good. Good player. I mean, it's like the number, though, 
the number that you look at is just the amount of games he's missed. He's you know he's missed a lot of games because of injuries and suspension. He's a good player, but his availability has not been good. He's missed 17 games in the last two years. It's really solid for him the go. Jets. Just hasn't really replicated it with yeah. New Orleans. That makes sense. Let's switch to the Suns. Uh, positive health update. Bradley Beal is probable for tomorrow's rematch against the Rockets. If he returns, first game back since February 13th, almost a full month we've waited for the return of Bradley Beal. Granted, the All-Star break was right in the middle of that, so there weren't a ton of games missed, but an added boost if Beal can make it back to the hardwood tomorrow night. Just You know, they just, listen, I could say this to him blue in the face. They just got to go into the playoffs healthy. Like, you know, March 1st, like, just go into the playoffs healthy and then stay healthy once you're in there. Yeah, I'm looking Give forward. Give me six weeks of health. I'm looking forward to having him back, especially when Gambo rolled out that lineup they started the fourth quarter with last night. Drew Eubanks and Josh Okoge and Grayson Allen and Bowl Bowl and KD. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to Beal playing those starting yeah. the fourth quarter minutes, please. Also, please. Suns-related news. Are you guys aware of the, the trend that happens among the Suns fan bases when a player becomes a Phoenix Sun and they're wondering if they've ever tweeted about Hooters? Before? Yes. You guys are aware of this? Hooters. No. I'm aware of this. So Royce O'Neal, who has tweeted about Hooters back in his heyday when he was acquired, he was a guest on FanDuel TV today's The Run It Back show and asked if he knows why this is a thing. To be honest, I have no idea. Uh, Like when I got traded, I was like, yo, why is why is like I'm trending for Hooters? (laughs) And then I see uh, I see, you know, me, book. You know, Katie and Brad all literally tweeted something about Hooters, and I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> I am aware of this story. Yeah. For some reason, there is a connection between Suns players tweeting about Hooters throughout the Are years. Are you aware that somebody in this radio station, significant other, worked at Hooters when they were younger? Ooh. I learned that recently. Yeah. Did I, you know that? Uh, oh, of course. Yeah. Do you want to guess, Bernsey? Oh, I, I, I know. Somebody at this radio station's <laughs> wife, when they were 19 years old, worked at Hooters. I know. I know. Just for like three months or four months. Yeah. Made some good, made some money. Made some good money. Yeah. yeah we, we actually, Mitch had a poll question about the chicken was, wings at we Hooters. We were talking about yeah, it. Yeah, we were talking about it. And I'm like, I, I haven't gone to, are they even still around? Still around? Yeah, there's like this. Yeah, I still, see okay, a billboard on the I-17 okay. about like two locations yeah. and I don't know. Interesting quote that rally. I saw from Fanatics CEO Michael Rubin. You guys are aware of all this fiasco with the new baseball uniforms and such. So yes, this is the, the see-through pants. This is the first time that Rubin, to my knowledge at least, has been on the record about this. He says that it's not his or his company's fault. Here's the quote. We've purely been doing exactly as we're told. We've been told we've done everything exactly right. And we're getting the bleep kicked out of ourselves every day what, right now. And they'll be told them to make the pants see-through? So like why? If, if I they... understand the chain correctly, MLB goes to Nike. Nike is the one that is responsible for the put together of the uniforms. They give the model to Fanatics, who is the manufacturer. Just replicates it. Just and does what they're so told. So Michael Rubin's like, no, 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 no. Get the bus off of me. This isn't us. This yeah. is this is everybody. This above is what us. they wanted. Yeah. This is this is we're all trying to attract a certain type of person to all, watch the game. All we're doing is baking the cake with the ingredients and the recipe you gave us. You want see through pants? Don't blame us that you don't like the cake, right? Yeah. This is the. I think they wanted a lighter weight material. I don't think they thought it was going to be see through, but uh, but yeah, they wanted a lighter That's not weight. Major League Baseball goes with crotchless pants. Oh God. Oh, God. Uh. <laughs> God. Or the God. assless chaps. I remember no, that. No, 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 no. Hold on. 
that's wrong. Uh, wrong. All right. I'll Crop tops. <laughs> wrong. I'll transition to some other business-related news. I'm reading this verbatim. Uh, this is from the AP story that just dropped. Uh, another courtroom loss for the NCAA, and as a result, they announced today that they're halting investigations into booster-backed collectives or other third parties handling NIL compensation deals with athletes. The letter from NCAA President Charlie Baker said that they're putting a pause, not beginning investigations involving third-party participation in NIL-related activities. They're not even acknowledging that it's happening right now. So they're it's saying, just, so it's just carte blanche. We're not, we're not worried about NILs anymore. Whatever. It's the wild, wild west. I, Whatever I happens goes Lauren down. I talking about it. I read it as... They don't have a proper solution to this right now, so they're deciding, you the know what, fall, do fall. whatever, yeah. do your thing, we'll come back when we've got it done, kind of thing. Meanwhile, but they Caleb, don't have something. Caleb Williams is $12 million richer. Yeah, big seriously. Time. Big That's time. crazy. And then we'll close with Coyotes. Please, please, Coyotes, get a win today. You please. want You don't want them to tie the record? No. If, if there's one record I'd like the Coyotes to get, it's not this one. Why do you this, want them to tie the record? I can't. I don't I'm, know. I'm like, if you're gonna be out, bad, like, be bad. Let's go. Let's. When you get this close to something, it's all. You might as well own it. <laughs> you might as well own it. I've never in my life. Like rooted for a losing streak to keep going is like well, yeah, mean, you, you know get, what why not let's I mean, get the listen, record draft the positioning you know you get you get yourself a better draft they got spot. all of that already at no, least oh you gotta have top picks in order to well besides they get screwed in the lottery every year anyway I know but maybe one year they won't I mean with you know NFL draft lottery I mean they lose tonight it's fifteen that ties the franchise record for the Coyotes. 17 is the record for Arizona like Winnipeg, sports. Arizona? Right, I'm yeah. No, no. For, okay. For, 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 so, like, the Diamondbacks' longest of all time was 17. Yeah. The Suns' longest of all time was 17. The Cardinals, since moving here, I think it was 11 or 12. So, they're getting close. So, so to they've like the, got the fifth worst record in the NHL. And they're only three points away from Columbus and only six away from Anaheim. This losing streak goes a little bit more. They could have the third worst record. I'm going to play the Slim Lottery. Uh, Sim lottery right now. Ready? I just clicked on it. They got the fifth pick. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I clicked on it again. I got the seventh. I'm not, I'm not rooting for the losing streak to continue. There it is. I, I just I, got the number one pick on my third try. There you try. go. Look at that. The number one Fantastic. pick. Fantastic. Fantastic. Let's go, Sens. Javi, Bill, if you're listening, just take Gambo and take a thon with you or something. I just like got that. the number one pick for you. Just lose a few more games. We're almost there. Beat Ottawa, please. That is your four o'clock reset. Thank you, Mitch. We appreciate that. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show here on Arizona Sports, Royce O'Neill, his impacts with the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, I might not have shot the ball all that well last night, but it has been noticeable, especially when he's out there on the floor with certain other guys as well. We'll talk about that coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. Hey, it's Luke. Are we starting to see a blueprint for what the Phoenix Suns playoff rotation could look like? We get going Monday at 10 a.m. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Yeah, I mean, we held them to 33% uh, from the field. That's season low for us. So um, some some games are going to be offensive battles. Some games are going to be defensive battles. You know, both teams were were really locking in defensively and um, proud of what we did on that side of the ball. Frank Vogel after the game last night. Suns beat the Houston Rockets 110-105. 
they will play the Rockets again on Saturday. Bradley Beal, the big news of the day, he is probable to play in that game on Saturday. It's kind of what you had suspected all along was that it, you know maybe one more game and then have him one more game. For, yeah, for I Saturday. think both guys too. I wouldn't be surprised if Eric Gordon's back either. Okay, um, he's still questionable. I, th- I yeah. think he's solicited as questionable for the game. Yeah, yeah, you get the you get the extra day here. Try to get them back, but you know for that Bradley Beal is like okay, it's the Rockets. Like you always say that, right? You should win that game. It was a lot closer than it should have been. It took right down to it was a four-point game with 30 seconds left or what, 18 seconds left. Um, it was much more difficult, but that's the Suns. It doesn't, it don't come easy. Nope. Like Ringo Starr saying, <laughs> no, it, it don't, don't come easy. No, it don't. They don't make anything easy, but they won. They won ugly. You take it. Yeah, and the, you heard Frank talking about the defense there a second ago, and yeah, they, they held Houston to, I think, 33% from the floor. Great job defensively. It was yeah. one of the Suns' five worst shooting games of the season. So it was rough offensively for kind of the whole team, but they did do a really good job defensively. And I and I saw this I saw this tweet from Sam Cooper who covers the NBA, writes about the NBA, and I and I saw he tweeted this out. Um Last night, he writes, we got 26 possessions of a brand new lineup for the Phoenix Suns. Okay, I guess we had never seen these five on the floor at the same time. Devin Booker, Royce O'Neal, Kevin Durant, Bol Bol, and Nurk. Length. Big. Nurk, Bol Bol, and, uh, and Durant. Nurk, Bol Bol, and Durant give you a... You know, three guys with length, and then Royce O'Neal is a terrific on-the-ball defender. Uh, Booker's defensive numbers this year have not been good, but so you have, you know, you could try to hide him mm-hmm. a little bit defensively, but that gives you one guy on the perimeter that can guard. But I'll tell you, I saw Bobo out on the perimeter, you know, really forcing guys with sure. that length and sure. putting those arms up and making it difficult to throw the ball in passing lanes. I saw Bobo moving, moving his feet pretty well, not afraid to go out there on the perimeter either. So, uh, interesting Interesting lineup, but I guess if you're Frank Vogel, it's worth experimenting with that. The result, he writes, was a defensive rating of 54.2. Now, that's a ridiculously low number that is likely not very sustainable. And, the, you know, we're talking about 26 possessions here. That is an incredibly, incredibly small sample size. But to your point, moving forward with Bowl Bowl. Having and how many minutes did Bobo play last night? Do you know off the top of your head? Because he was out there. I'm looking up the box score here real quick. I've got it in my notes. Bobo played 26 minutes last 26, night. 26. He was yeah. out there. I was going to say 22, but I couldn't they, remember. And they were a plus 13 when he was on the floor. As Bobo continues to earn Frank Vogel's trust, and this week upcoming is a big one for Bobo to see how much he plays against the better best teams in the NBA. As Bobo continues to earn Frank Vogel's trust. The defensive options that Vogel has, especially when he wants to go Bobol, KD, and a center, that's a huge lineup. We've talked about this a couple of times. Like, you throw that lineup out there, and as long as you can have KD with Booker or KD with Beal out there at the same time to kind of help you out offensively, that's where Royce O'Neal fills such a spot because he can help you. He's a great two-way player who can help you out with the open threes on the offensive end, and it can help you out by defending almost anybody on the other end. That's a potentially yeah. really interesting lineup to keep exploring for Frank. I, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. Royce O'Neal had a really good game last night. And people are like, wait a second, he shot three for 10. Yeah, that's right, he shot 30% from the field. But he only shot three for nine from three. Yeah, he didn't shoot very well. Royce O'Neal had seven assists. He had six rebounds. He had three steals. He had a block shot. He was a plus 10. 
Okay, Royce O'Neal had a good game last night. A really good game. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people may just look at it and remember him clanking a lot of shots, which he did. He did. He missed a lot of shots. He shot 30% from the field. He missed seven out of his 10 shots. But he is one of those guys that has the ability to impact the game without making shots. And he did that. Nobody, nobody on the Phoenix Suns team had more assists than he did in that game. Devin Booker only had three assists. Kevin Durant had six. Royce O'Neal had seven. Nobody had more steals than he did. He had three steals. He had five rebounds. Nurkic had eight and Book had six. And Eubanks had six, but that's it. He had five. He was one behind a couple of those guys. He had a tremendous impact on the game without being without having to score. Uh-huh. Yeah, no. Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I thought yeah. I thought you were gonna keep no, going. I, yes. At some point I was gonna stop because I just don't know what else I can say. <laughs> you know? I'm, I'm out of words. I've run out of words. I've got nothing left. The Suns missed twelve free throws. He didn't miss any. He was two for two. Like he had a he had a good game and he had an impactful game, even though he didn't shoot the ball very well. I'll add a few more words here and I'll borrow these words from our friends over at Brightside. They wrote a story today about Royce O'Neal. Maybe they wrote it yesterday and it was before his game last night. I don't exactly know. But they wrote in in a story about O'Neal. Quote, there's a very real case to be made that O'Neal is now the Suns' sixth man, ahead of Eric Gordon in the rotation. Furthermore, if Allen doesn't stay as hot as he's been from three, then O'Neal might pass him up as well. Now, could you see him passing Eric Gordon? Yes, because of what he... Eric Gordon is a scorer. He is a flat-out scorer who could shoot the basketball. If Royce O'Neal could score at a, at a at, doesn't have to be the same, right? But at a somewhat similar level, he gives you a lot more than Eric Gordon does. Before last night, as a son, Royce O'Neal was making forty percent of his three pointers, and, and and again, in a remarkable stat from maybe not as remarkable as Devin Booker's zero for thirty-seven when he's trying to get his seventh three pointer, but in a pretty similar remarkable stat, seventy-eight oh, percent of Royce O'Neal's shots are three-pointers. He's out there as an offensive player, move the ball, keep the offense humming and flowing and make sure the ball gets where it needs to be. And if he's got an open three-pointer, that's his shot. There's no other shot that Royce O'Neal is going to take. Four out of five of the shots that he takes are three-pointers. I think he could and maybe already has passed Eric Gordon as the sixth man off the bench, because what have we said all along about Eric Gordon and Grayson Allen? Same guy. They're kind of the same guy. Kind of the same guy. They're kind of the same guy. Yeah, they're a little, there's some variance in their games. They're kind of the same guy. Royce O'Neal's not the same guy. He He's he's a different flavor. He's a different, right? It, 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 and, and I think because of that, as long as he continues to shoot the way he has with what he does defensively, yeah, I could see him being the sixth man for the Suns. I could see him being the first guy off the bench for the Phoenix Suns. Crazy that they gave up four pieces of nothing to get him. Yeah, crazy Very much what so. they gave up to get him. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, is it possible that the top half of the NFL drafts where the Cardinals are sitting squarely in is purely for one side of the football field? That's coming up next right here on the Burns and Gambo show. It's Wolf. What's next for the Arizona Cardinals following the NFL Combine? All eyes are on free agency. So what you gonna do, Big Red? We get going Monday at 10 a.m. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. All right, just for fun, I pulled up pulled up uh, Mel Kuyper Jr.'s most recent mock draft. Okay. Offense, 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 offense. 
Defense, offense, offense. Nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. Top ten. Sports Illustrated has a story today. Uh, NFL Combine Notebook. Look for an offensive explosion in the draft's top ten. And their point is, through conversations, there's a thought that the first ten picks of the draft may all come from the offensive side. Daniel Jeremiah's most recent mock draft, he's he's ten for ten. He's got all wow. ten first picks being offensive players. He, it's, and wow. It's, Just it's, wow. It's, it's Caleb Williams. It's... You know, it's, it's the names you know. Caleb Williams, Drake May, Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, Joe Alt, Jaden Daniels, Olu Fushanu, JJ, he's got J.J. McCarthy in the top ten. Uh, Roma Dunze, uh, Talese Fuaga, the tackle out of Oregon State. Yeah, I mean, it's – and that's why, in part, you know, some of the workouts today are the defensive backs. Yesterday, it was the defensive linemen and, like, the edge rushers. That's in part why Dallas Turner was like, oh, my God, look at what he did. Right. Right, or the, or the Penn State edge rusher. Oh my God! Look at what he did, because it's it, it is going to be an offensive explosion. I mean, it's it's and I don't know if that's a I don't know if that's a trend where we go. Oh man, what does that say about the state of the NFL? Or is that just where the talent is in this year's draft? We it's been said for months that this draft was going to be really strong in wide receivers and offensive linemen, and, and not co- so great and, in and, edge rushers and corners and quarterback and and, and, uh, corners, and, quarterbacks. and quarterbacks. Right, right. Yeah, I mean. There's some good defensive players in this draft, but I think that they'll, you know, but if there's a run of 10 in a row or 10 out of 11, whatever it's going to be, it's, you know, that's why, you know, I think when you look at the Cardinals two draft picks, you wonder like what they're going to do, because if they go get the wide receiver, they still need an offensive lineman. If they get an offensive lineman, they still need a wide receiver Do they really want to, you know, strike quickly to get those offensive guys. And then like along with everybody else, go get defense in the in the in the later round, second, third, fourth, fifth round. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, again. I think it's more based off of where the talent is as opposed to we need an offensive player, we need a defense player. The Cardinals are not in a position where they can say, boy, we really, really need a wide receiver. Let's go get We've talked about this for months now, right? Like yes. they, They're not in a position to be able to say, hey, we're a wide receiver away or we're a corner away. We're a, you, you need good football players, and you need them all over the place, which is why when Jonathan Gannon was on with Wolf and Luke today, um, there was a lot of conversation conversation about offensive linemen and he said look I, I love talking about offensive linemen. For the most part um, they're really team first guys all of them like they you know they know that they're a part of an O-line group they know that's how they fit into the offense how they fit into the team and and uh, it was really cool talking to all those guys we had some we had some fun we had some laughs in there with some of those guys so um, it's just a different, different breed. If you play O line, it's it's kind of a different mentality, I think, and uh, it's really cool to hear those guys talk. So sometimes the best way to look at this, the way I like to look at it, is not the mock drafts, but the big boards. Okay, because with the big boards, they kind of rate they they kind of rate the players. So I think it's a you know instead of mock because mock drafts could be team needs, where big boards is here's your best player, Mel Kiper Jr.'s recent big board that came out like a week ago. The first nine players are offensive players. The first defensive player is Dallas Turner, the guy who turned Monty's head. Um, that guy at number 10. That's the first defensive player. But then 11 is offense, and 12 is offense, and 13 is offense. Mel Kuyper Jr. has 12 of the first 13 players on his big board as offensive players. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and then you get to uh, Latu, which I think you had something on Latu today. Cardinals met with him. The, the UCLA Cardinals met with him. Yeah. yeah. So he's number 14. So Dallas Turner and Latu were two guy, uh, the first two guys on the big board. But it is heavily dominated by offensive players. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, you, you got me thinking. I looked at Daniel Jeremiah's big board, and he's got basically the same thing. The highest defensive player he has on his big board is Alabama corner Terrion Arnold, who he's got number eight on his big board. He's got Dallas Turner, the edge from Alabama, number 11. And then you have to go down to Jared Verse, the edge from Florida State at number 14. So he's got three of his top 14 guys are defensive players. See, but it's, I was going to jump. And, and Kuiper Jr.'s got a cornerback at 15, Cooper DeGene. A cornerback at 16, Nate Wiggins. A cornerback at 17, Terrion Arnold. And then a cornerback at 19, Quinion Mitchell. So he's got like four cornerbacks between 15 and 19. So he's got like after the big run on offensive players, you know, he's got all, he's got all these cornerbacks coming in. Yeah, but then then you go back and look at last year's draft. The third pick overall was a defensive player. The fifth pick overall was a defensive player. The seventh pick overall was a defensive player. The ninth pick overall was a defensive a player. Different year. Just depends on the year, right? Mm-hmm. It just depends on the year and the talent and what the positions are strong in and 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 all of that. Would would I be shocked if the Cardinals first two picks are offensive players? God no. No. I am close. Shocked? No. Oh, one bit. I, I, because, because again, needs are everywhere, right? Like, you're going to tell me they got a wide receiver and an offensive lineman or switch him an offensive lineman and a wide receiver? No, no surprise there. Done. I would say take the best player available. That's where you know, teams make mistakes when they don't take the best player. But you also have to look at, okay, if I, what, what I get it for, can I still get a good player at that position at 27? Because that could change your thinking a yeah, little bit. It could. Uh, Gannon was funny when he was on with Wolf and Luke. He was he was talking in one part of the conversation about, well, I'll just play the sound for you because it's just easier to set up. Uh, Terrion Arnold, we just talked about him a second ago. He talked yesterday about his meeting with the Cardinals. It went really good. They wanted to see how I pressed. He told me to get up there and demonstrate my press technique. I said, Coach, do you want me to hit you for real? He said, yeah, hit me for real. So I hit him. <laughs> yeah, I jammed him. Yeah, the coach he was talking about, Jonathan Gannon. <laughs> he did jam me. He did jam me. But, you know, I played receiver back in the day. So then the next rep, you know, he put his hands up, and I swiped him down and hip-locked him, and I, I said I would have scored on that one. <laughs> um, no, that, it was uh, that's just part of what I like to do with corners. I, it, you know, every position is a little bit different. But, uh, you know, how well do they know the technique that's been taught to them? and the why behind it. And then uh, I put my little spin on it a little bit, but uh, yeah, he, he did a really good job. But yeah, I play receiver in those meetings for a little bit, you know, and then Monty says, all right, you can't do that anymore. Sit down. And <laughs> yes. a, you know, so it's, uh, it's, uh, it's fun. I have a little bit of fun with those guys, but you do figure out if they, if they really know, know it, you know, he's got a little Pete Carroll in him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You you can he's got yes. a little That's a really good that's Pete a good observation. Carol. Yes, he does. That that personality High energy. I'm going to get on the field. I'm going to get in the huddle with you guys. I'm going to uh, you know, I'm going to get out there. I'm hands-on. I'm a hands-on guy. Yeah. Like Pete was a hands-on guy. I remember the first time cuz we have Gannon's weekly show here on Arizona Sports. And I remember the first time we had him on. I remember saying to you off air. And I think we even said it on the air later in the show. I can see why he got the job. I can see why Jonathan Gannon walks into a room, probably interviews very well, 
converses very well, just has that Pete Carroll like <laughs> really big personality, right? Like just walks in a room and it's in like you know he's there. He even went on to say there's another coach on the staff who likes to play positions during these meetings, and it's Nick Rollis who will play center or guard when they're meeting with a defensive lineman. I'll let him explain. When you, have, when you talk to Rollis, uh, he likes to play like center and guard versus some of those D linemen. <laughs> and I, I bet he's literally right now in back in Phoenix with like a bruised chest <laughs> because this one dude like shocked him. And I was like, oh, my God, he about put him wow. through the TV. <laughs> I, said, I told him, I said, you know, the next part of this was, I was going to play guard, but I don't really want to play guard anymore after seeing that. So, I, you know, you could just sit down. You know, let's start getting to the tape right now. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. It's, so, it's cool. Man, sometimes you got to learn your lesson, man. Stay in <laughs> right. your lane. That's not a place to be. It's not a no. – I, I, always, I always told you the story when I was managing Kevin Kelly, the featherweight – he was a featherweight champion of the world. And, um, you know, his trainer, Phil Borge, I, I put the gloves on with Kevin, and I was just, you know, doing some, some – uh, not sparring, with him, but I was just doing some training with him, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, one, you know, you, you know, you, you put your gloves up for like two jabs, and you put your other glove up, and you know, you're supposed to throw a hit. And I put the wrong glove up, and he hit me with a straight left hand, and I was seeing stars on that canvas for like literally like twelve. Like here's 126 pounds, and he hit me as hard as he could, and I was like down. Like it, I was out, you know. And it was just because I, you know, I put the mitts on, uh-huh, and we were yeah, working on yeah. combinations. Okay, throw two jabs and then a straight right. Throw two jabs and a straight, and then boom! I put the glove. I was supposed to put one glove up, and I put the wrong glove up, and he threw the punch, and he hit me, and I went down. Was that the Last time, did you ever? Had, and I stayed down. Did you ever? Were you ever a sparring partner again after that? And, and but I wasn't a sparring partner. I was just like working the, the mitts and the gloves with him. Just oh, okay, you're right. On. I, 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 so yeah, I wasn't right. sparring you're with right. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why I tell people like, like these guys are 126 pounds. They'll kill you. Yeah, they'll kill you. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, there was one prospect in particular yesterday who opened eyes, turned heads, and made us wonder if the Cardinals would consider doing something bold with their first first round pick. We'll tell you who we're talking about next here on the Burns and Gambo show. Stay with us. The Burns and Gambo Need to Know Social Poll Update. Presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, Mitch. Uh, I am revising my answer for today's Twitter poll question of the day. I'm just I'm changing. Okay, it. we have pencils, we got erasers. We've even got those pens that are erasable. I believe that was a thing. That, remember that in type, do you remember in typing class? Anybody ever do typing? Yeah. We you know, when you used to miss a word, they had this like like white stuff that you would put on there yeah. and then you could Yeah, just white out, right? I don't you know if it was white out. It, it was, was some it was, stuff that you would put on the typewriter on the Right. It was yeah. like a little piece of paper that you'd slide in in between the typewriter and the paper. It was like it white was like typing white out over your mistakes. Yeah, and then yeah. you go back oh, and right. type out over it. Yeah. That I'm not super familiar with. Well, you probably didn't neat. make many mistakes. I I, I, I wonder I didn't if, use a typewriter all that much is is typing classes I I'm gonna sound like an old guy here but that still should be something that I think would be very important even with everybody doing everything on their phone or not so much anymore. I did typing I remember when I was in grade school typing was something we did like one out of one of the weeks and I'm thinking about it now and I I value typing 
because then I can be looking at other yeah, things I, I, while I, I'm typing. I still out. think it is one of the most important things. <laughs> Absolutely, I was like honestly, I was like skills I have that I can type really well. I don't know. I just it's like I'm so glad I know how to I do that. I kind of remember I was like 65 words a minute. Really? I was actually pretty good at it. Damn. I had a friend who could get to like 90. Oh, I'm just yeah. thinking, holy smokes, do your fingers even have like hinges on them? Or but just with slow? everybody doing everything on their phones now, maybe it's just not that big of a I don't know. I, I just, I know I'm very grateful. I, I can type without looking at my phone. Classes. Yeah. But no, I just mean like doing, you know. No, like on my phone, I can type You, you can type without, without looking. looking at your phone? Damn, that's a smart. I know. I used to love the phones that had the buttons where you could actually feel it because I mess up all the time with <laughs> I the miss my stuff. Blackberry too. Yeah, I, I like this. The ones with I the miss buttons. Brick Breaker. Brick. Oh, the Nokia's. What was the Brick, brick breaker? breaker? The video game that you play on the back of BlackBerry and you roll <laughs> the little ball in the middle. You know what I'm talking about? Now I know what you're talking. I'm like, what are you talking about? Now I know what you're talking about. Now I know what you're talking about. All right, uh, boy, not for nothing. This has nothing to do with There's the poll question. There's your 2000s technology lesson. Not for nothing. Not for nothing. Uh, what's the poll question today that so I'm changing my answer there's to? There's six games upcoming on the Sun schedule. So forget that they're going to play the Rockets on Saturday. Start with the game that they're going to play against OKC on Sunday. They then have Denver, Boston twice, Cleveland, and Toronto. Three of those are on the road. One in Boston, one in Denver, one in Cleveland. How many of those six games are the Suns going to win? Two or fewer, three, four, five or six. Initially, I was four. I changing it to three because I realized that Oklahoma City is the second night of a back-to-back. I got three. That's so what I'm, I had. I had three. three. Yeah. It feels like the safe answer, but the percentage has actually slightly shifted. 38% are going with four okay. wins out of the six. 37% going with three. 15% very optimistic that they could get to five or six wins out of those five. <laughs> or six. And then 11% going with two or fewer. If they go four, but especially if they go five or six, which seems really hard to do against that schedule. If they go five and one against that six-game schedule, they will capture the attention of the national NBA media and people will start talking about truly their ability to win a championship. You watch. The narrative will change. I agree. The narrative narrative will change. We had that list earlier in the week. The six teams that are capable of winning an NBA they championship. They were not mentioned on, on that list. They would be if they go 5-1 and one in that six-game stretch. They weren't, but they would be if they went 5-1. You, you could have one win. You could, only, you could have one win. That you, which one? What, do you, what will you take? Denver? Oklahoma City? Boston? Denver? Oh, depends if Jamal Murray plays. Um, it's got to be Boston. I think that's yeah. the one that gets the it, national media talking. It, but if Jamal Murray plays... It's Denver because I'm probably playing. I, I have to get through Denver. I want to know I can, can go up you there beat and win. them in Denver. Yeah, exactly. But if Jamal Murray doesn't play, then I would say Boston is the okay. one I would want. You? Denver. Denver. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Mitch. We appreciate it. You can vote on our poll question. Uh, at Burns and Gambo on X, the artist formerly known as Twitter, is where you can find us. Off and running at the combine. That is smooth. Four, four, seven. <laughs> Oh, we have a new clubhouse leader, not just for this group, but on this day. It was Rich Eisen and Daniel Jeremiah yesterday doing the play-by-play of Dallas Turner's 40-yard dash. I love, and I I will admit, you know, the the combine coverage at times gets a little tedious and boring. I do love it when they do the overlays and they show you Dallas Turner running 
and they've overlaid Derrick Henry running and Jalen Hurts running. And they show them compare. And, and yeah. they, they show all in one cut, and you see Dallas Turner outrunning Derrick mm. Henry and Jalen Hurts, and you're like, oh my God, look at this guy, right? And somehow they panned up to the to the uh, booth that Monty Austin Fort was in and got his reaction. Oh, and he just, he looked like a kid. He looked, to the point where I said earlier, and somebody actually made it, it reminds me of the meme where the guy's walking with the girl. It's used a lot. Guy's walking with the girl, and he turns around to look at another girl. Uh-huh, yeah. And it's usually put, it's usually three people you can put who they are. So I had, some guy actually did it because I said it'd be funny if somebody did it. And the guy has it. It's Monty Austin Ford holding hands with Marvin Harrison Jr. Monty's the guy. Marvin Harrison Jr. is the girl that's holding hands with them. And then Dallas Turner's walking the other way. And Monty's turning around to look at look Dallas, Dallas Turner. Turner like, Ooh, it's funny. It's look, funny. Yeah. It is really funny. It is. It's, it's funny. My, if you haven't seen it yet, I'm sure you have by now. Monty Austin Ford's reaction was just absolutely classic and really, really funny. The question is, does it change a thing? I mean, they need an edge rusher. I was reading Pete Prisco on Twitter, who's like, look, guys, he plays that fast. Talking about Dallas Turner now. He plays, you know, I know that's an incredible number that he just ran, but his play on the field matches that speed. He's got arms like a like a pterodactyl, right? Like he's just, he's just or pterodactyl, pterodactyl, which pterodactyl, thank you, pterodactyl, what the hell? Um, <laughs> I don't know, what, what dinosaur is a pterodactyl? Is there even such a thing as a pterodactyl? What, what am I talking about? What's wrong? Is it? Is it? It's because it's Friday. It's four fifty three, and my brain is toast so right a, now. Are you, are you watching Masters of the Air? Not yet. I'm okay. waiting. Right. I'm waiting. Is, okay. Are they all out there yet? Like so, we 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 re re, re uh, redid our Apple TV, so we have it right. But m- right before we started it, my wife was like, "Oh, there's this Godzilla show. It has like Kurt Russell in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's on Apple TV." I yeah. said, "Okay, I'll watch that with you." But then, like, when this is over, we got to watch Masters of the Air. So we're watching this Apple TV show. It's about, like, God, it's, I forgot Godzilla what it's called. It's, it's got Kurt Russell. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, yeah I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's a, it's like a, a God, it's, a, it's like a Godzilla yes, yeah, type movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Paradactyl. <laughs> Sounds like a dentist thing. It does sound like a dentist thing. You he's, got paradactyl he, disease. He's you got to get to the dentist. <laughs> yeah. He's got arms like pterodactyl. Yeah. Um, but I don't, you know... You'd have to trade down. If you were going to go edge rusher with your first pick, I'm not saying it would be a bad choice. You need one. You, you, you need to have a young player at that position who could maybe be a star for you for 10 years. Just not a four. Just couldn't do it at four. That's a, you trade down to seven or eight, and you kind of consider your other options. But, what's, but, but here's the thing. I mean, it's always the risk, right? You love the guy. Okay, we're going to trade down and trade. You better make sure he's there. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're trading out of four and passing up on, say, Marvin Harrison Jr., because like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to trade down, and I'm going to trade back up, and I'm going to go get my Dallas Turner. And you don't get him? Yeah. They, so now you don't, not only do you not get him, you don't get Marvin Harrison Jr., now you're settling for somebody that wasn't in your top two. 100%. The risk paid off last year with Paris Johnson. They played it very well. Could they do it again this year? Uh, maybe. I, I, I don't know. I just don't know if Edge Rusher would be, maybe, maybe Edge Rusher would be the guy you would do it for. I, I'm not going to sit here and say they don't need a young, great Edge Rusher that they could have be a star for the next 10 years. They do. Just not a four. But you're right. There's risk. There's absolutely risk involved. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, Oh, I don't think we've talked about this once, uh, really, in the context of the Sun season at all. Is Frank Vogel in danger 
of being one and done for the Phoenix Suns. Hmm. Next on the Burns and Gambo Show.